0: Hey there, welcome to this week's episode of Breaking Out, I'm your host Jared Lazar. Ever wondered what it takes to step outside of a traditional job or career and chase your dreams? You're in the right place! This is the show where each week I interview inspiring guests who've done something unconventional and have created an interesting, novel or unusual career for themselves. The film and TV industry in South Africa is still young, but it's growing very rapidly. If you watch local TV and film content produced in South Africa, chances are that you've already come across the work of my guest today, Bradley Joshua. Bradley is the CEO and executive producer of CamBit Films, which is an independent, multi-award-winning film and TV production company. CamBit has produced acclaimed South African films like Numa Scully, Numa Seven Darach, Ellen, The Ellen Pakis Story, as well as loved local TV series like Said Most recently, though, the series Blood and Water was released on Netflix and is the only the second South African-produced show to be distributed on the platform. Bradley himself has been producer and executive producer for numerous film and TV series produced by Gambit. Bradley, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show um I, I know you you're quite busy and and really just thank you so much for taking the time out to to be on today uh how are you
1: i'm fine i'm fine thank you jared um yeah i'm i'm very really glad to um to also be here i think it's a it's an interesting initiative you got going here um and uh i think uh it's interesting or it's great for for people to know you know that um you know that that there are levels of success out there you know and people that have come from the same places that they come from or that they reside and that have you know done different things in life so I think this is is very interesting to create this type of content you know that right. people can always refer back to um I think it's very inspiring
0: yeah absolutely and and thanks for that that that's very kind so You've had quite an interesting journey I think to to get where you are um and, and we are going to unpack that in in some detail in in a short while but just for now, you know as part of the intro we've discussed your role at at gambit and and what you do but just for our people listening um what is it actually that the head of a film studio or an executive producer actually does like like what does your day job actually entail yeah
1: so um, yeah, to start at the beginning, you know, every piece of content that we create, uh, whether it's a film, whether it's a TV series, whether it's a documentary, it all starts with it starts with an idea, okay. Right. And then, um, as you will know, an idea remains an idea until someone puts it into action, you know. And uh, essentially, yeah. that's what a producer does. A producer, um, in this context, will look at film ideas. Television ideas, and and then take those ideas, and then you have to, you know, you know, you bring it to life, and and there's various stages and various phases of of that process, but um, I think an important thing to note is that um, very often. Um, the producer is the one that lives with that piece of content for the longest period of time. But in the public's eye, you know, the people that are viewing the content, they never really know who the producer is, but, right. but the producer is the one that lives with it for the longest 10 to one. He or she has been the one that's recognized the good idea that's put things in place to be able to develop and write the scripts um, the producer raises all the finance. Um, so in other words, uh, if you take the film that we've, the films that we've done, uh, myself as a producer um, would have managed the development and the creation process. Right. Um, I wouldn't have written it myself. I'm not a writer. I'm not a director. So, you, you know, other people are doing that. But through the process, you're raising the finance, you know, because every piece of content, you know, costs money to create. Sure. Um, and so it's finding those financing partners, finding um, investors. And then, you know, from that point onwards, it's actually, you know, selecting the timelines, bringing the people on board to be able to, because once again, the producer and the director doesn't do everything, you know, on a, on a shoot like Blood and Water, for example, there's about 120 other people that yeah. is part of the creation of that. So right. the producers, the producer is responsible from idea to distribution, you know, so it's idea, it's developing the idea, it's um, managing the writing of the script, it's raising the finance, it's um, bringing people on board to, to, into physical, produ- physically producing it, mm-hmm. uh, it's completion, um, then it is sales and distribution.
0: It sounds like so multifaceted like there's so much in there that you've just mentioned and Mm. I feel like directors get a lot of the credit for for movies it it almost sounds to me like we should be like the executive (laughs) (laughs) directors exactly like the the producers should be should be the first name on the on the top of the credits list um yeah do you do you have to be creative minded I mean you you spoke about identifying a project Mm. um and I mean presumably to do that like you must have something something creative or, or you yeah. must be able to have the the sense of, of what's going to be watchable or, or, or attractive yeah. for someone
1: the way that and you you know me I, you know i'm an engineer so so i wasn't trained i'm not a trained filmmaker yeah um but um you know where we, with that engineering discipline um and subsequent roles that I fulfilled in in the oil industry from you know, business management to strategy and you know, planning and all of these things. it, it effectively, being a producer is being a project manager, right? right? right. Um, to to you know, to go back to the previous question. But in terms of the creative, yes, you have to. You have to be like me. I'm not a trained creative, but mm-hmm. but you know, when I, the the way that I got into the industry was was from an entrepreneurial point of view, from from entrepreneurial point of view, is that I saw an opportunity, um, and because I worked in, you know, in the commercial, in the corporate world, um, it's like recognizing a product and recognizing there's a market for a product and then figuring out, out how do we, package this product right for mm-hmm. that particular market, you know? And so you can say that because you know the film and television industry is a creative industry, it's a valid question to say, well, does a producer have to be creative? I didn't in the beginning see myself as a creative. I saw myself as an entrepreneur yeah, that yeah. that saw a that saw a product, right, with lots of potential um, and a market that it need that that needed serving you know, um, and I saw potential and I saw, um, you know, the potential for that product to actually travel globally. If it's told in a certain way, you know, so that was my initial approach. I've become creative over the years, um, in that, um, you know, the company is 12 years old. Um, you know, uh, we worked very much part-time in the first sort of five, six years of its life. I've been in gam. I've i I've, I've been full time for um, I think it's going to be seven years next sure. month. Um, so so I've obviously when you're surrounded by those things and you you mm-hmm. you 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 know you're reading scripts all the time, you're reading stories all the time. You know it's like it, by now I've got a creative it uh, uh, qualification. I think the biggest part of being a producer is is partnering with the right talent. You know, bringing on the the right writers, bringing on the right directors, bringing on the right other creative um, heads of departments and so on. So so I think it's, yeah, you have to be creative um, and you have to understand the market um, whether it's local or international.
0: I'm very interested to find out what life was like for you growing up and, and where the journey starts for you because I think you you grew up in a very interesting time probably in in our history yeah. and, and a very interesting place and and yeah. I'd love to just get a sense of that.
1: So yeah, I mean, I I was born in 1976, um, uh, you know, born and bred in Bridgetown, Athlone, um, on the Cape Flats. Um, and yeah, it was a very interesting time, you know. But I don't remember, like when I was growing up, I when I grew when I grew up, I, I don't know if I just didn't pay attention, but but you know, we knew where we lived. We knew that that we were, uh, you know, we didn't have everything that 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 other people had. We knew that we were, we knew that we were disadvantaged, but you know, I don't see it. It was never a crutch for us. You know, it was never a, 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 you know, we, we, we lived our lives. You know, we, we did the things that we were supposed to do every day. We went to school, we went on outings, we went, you know, to church and Sunday school and that. So, so from, from that perspective, I I don't ever remember being heavily political, you know, Mm -hmm. even in high school, you know, um, but but I do I do always remember that my you know my parents um they always push they always made a way for us to um yeah. Yeah. to try and get the best, you know, even if it was just things, you know. I know my father was a was a welder, my mother worked in the clothing industry from the age of like 14 years old, she spent you know, over 40 years working in the clothing industry. Um but somehow we didn't have a lot. But somehow they made it possible for us to have, um, like you know, um, go to good school. Like I went to St. Columbus High School, which doesn't exist anymore. But you know that was considered a good school, you know, yeah, in comparison. Yeah. And so they made that kinds of small sacrifices. And so I think um, that helped a lot. Um, and they almost, I would imagine, like it, if I think about it, sheltered sheltered us you know, mm-hmm. and kept us, kept us focused on, on the good things in life. You know, yeah. um, I think that, uh, if I remember, if I think back, I was always a dreamer, like, right? I, 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 the one thing that I do remember is, uh, when I was at school, primary school, high school was daydreaming, like always <laughs> dreaming of, <laughs> dreaming of things, dreaming of like cars or dreaming of being,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you know, like dreaming, uh, my dreams were never very big. That's what I can remember. I always think about myself now, and I think, sure, the ambitions I have now versus when I was younger. But I also think that my, even though I had dreams, um, I feel like my dreams were very much curbed by my surroundings you know, um, look at what's around you and you go, Oh, look at that guy. He drives a nice car. So he must have a nice job. So that would almost be the extent of your dreams, you know, but I think the important thing for me was that the dream was there to always uh, progress, to always, you know, try to um, do better than my parents did, you know Um, and, and try to just personally progress and always grow and always try to do better at whatever you were doing so yeah. so there was yeah. that um and and i would always been amb- uh, ambitious but a big part of my young life was becoming a born-again christian you know because it's almost like that journey um put a lot of things in perspective for me mm-hmm. um you know we had a very good uh, fortunate and blessed to have a very good um, youth leader, a guy called Charles Chalmers at Bridgetown Presbyterian Church, you know, when I was probably around like 12, 13 years old. And he, he taught us, he taught us about the Bible, but it is through that process that I realized that, you know, God created us with a purpose, you know, uh, and that purpose, it doesn't matter how, how big or how small um, that purpose is in, in someone's eyes. Mm, that mm. purpose is great. And so, so I, I always believe that. I always believe from, from that sort of time when I started to learn about how God loves people and how God created us um, and why he created us, I always felt like, sure, my life must mean something. Right, There right. must be a purpose to my existence. And so with that in mind, always, I always operated like that. And I always looked at every situation and said, well, there must be a reason for this. Mm-hmm. You know, if God created me uh, for a purpose, then, then there must be a reason for this. There must be a reason for that, you know. The biggest thing for me, uh, the biggest sort of traumatic event in my young life was when my dad passed away. Um, I was 16 years old. My brother was 12 years old. And, and, and there was that. And, the, you know, the thing that got me through that. Was oddly enough that thinking, you know, mm-hmm. that it must have happened for a reason. There must be, there must be a purpose behind it because God wouldn't, you know, you know, the Word of God says, "I know the plans I have for you." You know, the plans to to um, to make you strong, to make you yeah. to make you, you know, successful. So, so I always that's what carried me through that, and and I think that everything that's happened in my life is still taking me to that purpose. And so I think you know that for me I think was a was a big difference. Um because I often go, I often think like like why did like I come from the same place as many people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and as you will know, there's there's not many people that that um you know that 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 come out of, of, you know, of, of a certain kind of lifestyle. And I always ask myself the question, like, why did, why did I, how did I, I I was, you know, I was best friends. um, I was best friends with, with people that are, that are in prison right now, for example, you know, like like, what is the difference I was associating, you know, I was never in a gang. I was never in that way inclined, but I, I was associating with, with certain people. And I, I I often ask myself, like, like, what is the difference, you know? Because as you know, our people, um, our people are still struggling, you know. Even though we've been so-called free since 1994, nothing, nothing has really, nothing has really changed. And I ask myself the question, but why is that, you know? But I think it's because I think it's the thinking, you know. It's 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 how you perceive things. And and when I look back, I think that's what was the difference for me because I didn't, I didn't have anything different than my next door neighbor, for example, you know, we never had money, we never, but how did I manage to get a tertiary education? I wasn't an A student. I was never an A student. I just worked really hard. But even when I worked hard, I was, you know, in terms of my grades, I wasn't great. I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, a, a C, B, B, C kind of student. How did I, how did I, um, managed to get a tertiary education, you know, um, how did I manage to get a bursary? Um, I got a bursary one year when I was studying mechanical engineering, and I was mm-hmm. like, I was totally confused. Why did I get this? Because I was definitely not top yeah. in my class. Yeah.
0: I, I, out of interest. Wh- why did you decide to study mechanical engineering? What, what was the thinking there? Um,
1: yeah, I was, I was very, I'm a very hands-on person. Uh, my grandfather was a motor mechanic. Um, yeah. And I was always with him, so so I grew up in that world of fixing things and taking out engines and putting engines back, and and um, I always wanted to be a mechanic. And my mother said to me, <laughs> "Not on your life! You're not going to walk around in dirty overalls, with dirty fingernails, and that." So, so I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and this is what I was this is what I was saying about our parents, man. They just yeah. pushed. They they pushed us you know and so i was like okay so if i'm not a mechanic i really love i'm passionate about mechanical things and um you know with the help of my father i i I sort of started to dream about being a mechanical engineer Mm -hmm. because i Mm -hmm. thought okay that's the next best thing you know i'd still be in that sphere of mechanics um, and, and that's how I ended up, you know, that's how I ended up doing mechanical engineering. But I knew, I knew that, you know, I knew that from a very young age. Like I was still, in, uh, today they call it grade eight. I was in standard six at the time. By the time I went to high school, I knew that's what I was aiming for, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, I, I feel it was just my thinking. And, and And that coupled with my Christianity and just knowing that God, has created us all with a purpose and and i've made it my life's mission right to try and fulfill that purpose Mm -hmm. um and let me tell you something god has taken me on some interesting journeys you know um which 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 (laughs) when i look back i can laugh and i can smile but you know when you're going through certain things you know sometimes it's very tough but you know, that thing just comes back again. Yeah. God created mm-hmm. me for a purpose and I'm on this journey and everything means something and everything's mm-hmm. leading somewhere.
0: I, I, I love that. And you, you aren't the first person that I've spoken to that mentioned, you know, purpose. And, and I think to, to your point about you, you've had this journey and, and there've been so many, you know, events along the way. You you studied mechanical engineering and I think at, at some point then you moved into the corporate space you started working mm. at, at chevron um yes uh, oil and gas energy company the the common thread that i'm seeing is that th- there's so many there's different aspects of that i mean mechanical engineering is very different from the corporate world in in many senses yeah. and the corporate world is also so different from what you're doing now you know being at, at gambit being involved mm. being a ceo yeah there are obviously like common elements but but you kind of you go through these very dramatic job changes or, or career changes, yeah. but but the common thread—it sounds like it, it still is that that purpose element. And 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 I just I I really love that. And and thank you for for sharing um, for sharing that. So j- just so that I understand, so you were you were at Chevron. Um, mm. How how did you go from doing that to then ending up at Gambit? What was what that mm. transition?
1: So um, I, was at, I was at Chevron. Uh, I fulfilled many roles there. I, I was in sales. I was in uh, business planning. I was in mm-hmm. strategy development. Eventually, uh, my last role at Chevron was I was the pricing manager for um, Africa and Middle East. And, you know, through the, through the process, so you know my brother, Darren, right? He is, he is a writer and a director.
0: So Bradley's brother? Darren Joshua is a critically acclaimed director for movies like Numa Scully, which we've already mentioned.
1: In 2009, when he, he, he and a number of, well, uh, three of my current business partners, um, him and three of my current business, so four of them, right. um, and there was other people, they, they started Gambit Films when they graduated from film school. Okay, And the view was that, you know, if we look back at where the the film industry was at that point in time that, you know, South Africans weren't really telling their own stories, you know, um, the film industry or the biggest part of the film industry was um, U.S.-based studios coming into South Africa, Mm -hmm. bringing their their stories and that, and we would film it here for them and then they take it away and they and they and you and it's like you know cape town was filmed for la or cape town was filmed for new york and whatever right, it was never right, stories right. that was set here right um and that was just because of the cost benefit um and the exchange rates and and the rebates that the government offered to come and film here so that essentially was a firm industry so essentially the guys that were studying to be directors and writers right when they were coming out and graduating they weren't really going into those disciplines because the, the film industry at that stage did not offer those opportunities to South Africans. Right. They offered other opportunities like production people, and so you could be a production coordinator, or production manager, or a, you know a second assistant director. So very sort of low-level positions, but because it's international service work, it was well it was well paid. But these guys, Darren and 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 some of my other partners, they were they were passionate about telling their own stories right. and about writing it themselves and that. So their, their way of doing that was, was starting their own company because they realized nobody else was gonna give them that opportunity because their dreams and their ambitions were too big for for other South Africans to be able to fathom. In fact, when they started the company, people laughed at them. And in my first years with the companies, we went when we spoke about our ambition about telling stories locally for the whole world, people were like, ah, guys, you know, you guys are young and dreaming, but that's why they formed the company, but they were all creative people. And within the first year they realized, well, you know, they can't run a business. They don't know how. Um, and, and they are a bunch of creatives and they, and they, I remember they were shooting a pilot, so they had developed the series and they were shooting a pilot and they needed they needed some uh, funds. <laughs> so Darren <laughs> came to his older brother <laughs> and asked for, you know, listen, we're doing this thing, don't you wanna? And um, yeah, I met them all and I said, yeah, sure. And it wasn't a lot of money. It was something like maybe like 5,000 Rand, like yeah. 12 years ago, you know? Um, because they were doing it to a whole lot of students. And I said, yeah, no, take the money, it's fine. And then they um, they I, I don't know why I met with them again and and I just gave them some ideas and they liked the ideas and they said, Well, can't you can't you help us, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously it's my brother, I was like, Yeah, sure we can, you know. And I used to meet with them and then essentially what I did, I looked at at what they were doing and I approached it from an entrepreneurial point of view and said, Well, guys, you have you have a, a product but the product is not packaged. You know, your, 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 your target market doesn't know about your product. So, so there's a whole lot of steps between taking your product to the market, you know, and, and then knowledge of the industry and my sort of pragmatic approach, we, we sort of develop steps to to develop this product and get it to the market, you know, is what I saw. I mean, um, now, you know, in film terms, it's developing the content, you know, and then producing it and then distributing it, you know. Um, and they liked that and uh, helped them with a few things and then um, helped them to get um, some of the stuff noticed. And they then said to me, look, they can't pay me, but they'll give me shares in the company, you know. And I saw the opportunity because – what we had was we've got a South African film industry. So in other words, crew, right? That are highly skilled, right? Because all Holly, you know, a lot of Hollywood productions were coming here, hiring sure. people to to produce the stuff. Highly skilled, right? Um, so the capability was there. We had a film industry that had an infrastructure. So for example, we had the best equipment in the world because Hollywood was coming here, right? Um, we had the best. Um, you know, at least infrastructure that could compare with the rest. So the gap was that we weren't telling our own stories. Mm-hmm. And then I had these guys that were saying, but we want to tell our own stories. And so my entrepreneurial approach was: well, if I marry the two, right, um, and I use my project management skills and my business management skills that I've, that I've learned over the years through engineering, but also in my time in sales, in my time in strategy development, in in all of those things, even in pricing, you know, Um, if I use all of those skills, I can merge the two, you know, and from the time that, I mean, it took us, that was in 2010 when I joined them and I used to work, my day job was Chevron. And I used to work twice or thrice a week in the evenings on Gambit. Like we, we had a little, okay. we started started in Darren's apartment. S-
0: so it was almost like it was a passion project on the side. Of yes, it. Yeah? yes, okay. yes, okay.
1: yes. So we, we would have meetings like on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So I'd go from Chevron, go there. And then it's just planning, you know, planning, mm-hmm. planning, planning. Um, We all had sort of jobs. So it was part time. And then... You know, we we managed to do things, you know, we got stuff for free. We using my sales skills, like going into media film services and saying, listen, yeah, we want to shoot this this pilot, we want to shoot this short film, you know, but we got no money, you know, how can you help us? You know, and they would just go, like, of course, you know, they would then treat it as their CSI project or their investment into the industry or their enterprise development and say, right, we're not using these things. So if you can Mm -hmm. use any of these things, feel free, you know. Um, and so it's those kinds of things that, um, that, that, for example, they lacked as creatives because they would never walk into a, they would never cold call someone and ask them for free stuff, you know, <laughs> but I would be, you know, I'd done those kinds of things. so I, yeah, you yeah. know, wasn't shy to, to ask, you know, and it was that kind of combination. Then over the years, you know, it resulted in the first sort of uh, film and then, um, you know, say twister and then, you know, it just starts to grow and, and sort of snowball. So, so it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy fit. I mean, my wife really deserves, you know, a gold medal for, um, standing behind me and all of these crazy ideas. And I do remember, <laughs> I do remember the day that I said to a listener, um, I want to go into Gambit full time. And you know, when you, when you're wrestling with a, with, with a thing and you go like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I'm going to leave my secure job. At that time, we, you know, we had all the things we had bond, we had two cars, we had two children um, and this corporate job was supporting all of that, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, we had always known that, that eventually something will come of this film thing, this passion thing I'm doing on the side, but, the day that I, I was wrestling with it, uh, you know, you know, when you, when you're wrestling with someone and you, and you almost like hoping that's like, when you ask someone, they're going to, they're going to speak sense yeah. to you. And <laughs> they do listen, yeah, man. just be practical. This way. So <laughs> I remember the day when I said to her, listen, how am I want to go into, and she was in the bathroom in the, I think she was brushing her teeth or something, you know, or I can't remember, but I just remember looking at her from the room into the bathroom and she turned to me she looked at me and she said okay and I was like I I was like are you sure and I I followed (laughs) her around and I was like are you sure are you like I kept on and she just said well you know that's if that's what you think and I think you know it was a crazy decision but it's again it's once again though it's you know God opens those doors you know God opens the doors um and it's not always easy. It's not always easy to go through the door and it's not easy on the other side of that door, but it does no. open the right doors.
0: Coming back to that point of, of purpose, um, you know, you, you mentioned you, you kind of approach this in the same way that any other entrepreneur would for a business, it, whether it was, I don't know, designing item of clothing or you know, a tech company or whatever. This was just you've identified this opportunity and you're going to treat it like every other product or startup yeah. or, or whatever, and, and approach it in a very you know business-like way. But the the product itself, it's it's special. I mean, you're telling stories, local South African stories about yeah. our culture and and our people. And I know from the previous conversations we had that that that's something you are like extremely. Passionate about, um, and and you can kind of see that you can see that in the films that, that Gambit's doing and, and in your own work, yeah. um, you know. So to that point about passion, is is that the why of the thing that that, that you are looking to, you know, sell South Africa to the world and and put our stories out there?
1: I that's definitely one of it, um, but I yeah. think even even stronger passion because I you know. I, like Jared, I ask myself that question every day. Mm-hmm. You know you know on the one hand, sometimes I have very, very uh, frustrating days, right? where you where you do wonder like, you know, why am I doing this? like you know, yeah, um, but also just I ask that question of God many times because I also want to make sure that I'm still walking on that path, that I'm not following right. a journey that a journey of self-ambition. You know it's okay mm-hmm. to be ambitious. But I think, I think um, as long as that ambition is aligned to God, and so that's a question I ask every time. And what I've, what I've learned over the years, and I'm still unpacking it for myself, is that I think in a big way, God is using it, you know, to, um, to show other people like myself, yeah. you know, they come from places where I come from, is that, you know, the, the is, there's no limit to your ambition. There's no limit to what you can achieve. Like God has, God has literally created us all for greatness. It's what I teach my children. You know, I teach my children that when you do something, do it in a way that you become the best in the world, because that's what God wants. Because when you, my son loves football and I always tell him that you can be the best footballer in the world. God wants you to be there because he wants to be able to brag about his son that's a good footballer and he wants your influence in that world, in that area of the world to spread. And I feel that this, that, that for me is what drives me is like, why do I keep pushing and pushing and pushing? I keep pushing because I want people like myself, you know, to, to, to understand that there's no, you don't have to be special. You don't have to be an A student. You don't have to have money. You don't, in fact, when you are born, You're already born with all the tools to be as successful for your purpose as you ever can be. And that's what I I really, really believe that and that whatever you face in your life is there to build your character Mm -hmm. for the purpose that God has for your life. You know, and I know, when I look at my life, uh, there's many people that maybe would listen to this and say, "Ah, oh, Brad, but your life was never as hard as my life is," you know. Right. And and I take that, and and maybe my life wasn't as hard, but I think that what I what I'd like to pro- promote, you know, through whatever success we achieve, is that that people need to start to think that anything is possible, right. you know, because anything really is possible. That's what I want to represent. You know, yep. in as much as we're telling great stories and we we're telling stories about people of color, we think about blood and water, you know, the big thing is that um when people when the world has a perception of Africa, you know, they just think poverty, they think right. crime, they think uh all kinds of negativity. And so what we did purposefully with blood and water, and we put people of colour and we put them in affluent situations and we're telling the world, listen, you know, we all aren't living in squalor. We all aren't living in a shack. You know, we all, we don't live with lions roaming the street. We actually are very Westernized. And and I think that perception that people have received, I think that's what's a big part of what's made blood and water successful globally. And that's Mm -hmm. what we want to, we want to perpetuate, you know, we, we've just finished a film. Now it's, it's going to be, it's an action film. Okay. Right. And, um, the lead is a guy called, um, Jared adult. Um, he's a colored guy. You might know him. Um, he was the lead. He was one of the leads in Ellen Puckies. Um, and he's the lead guy, right? He's the lead action hero, um, yeah. in an action film, set in Cape town. Um, and let me tell you something. There's no drugs. There's no gangsterism. It's an action film straight up. The yeah. guy yeah. gets chased by various people, he has to evade them, he has to prove his innocence, it's pure action. You know, um, we are sort of just looking into, we're dubbing it um, um, Africa's biggest action film. So, so we've just done that. And once again, what we, what, when you look at the people in the film, you know, it's you and I, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and we also just showing the world that look here, yeah, we can also do action. You know, um, we are as as talented as the rest of the world. Our actors are as talented, our producers, our directors, our writers are as talented. And just that's what we keep pushing and perpetuating, you know, um, because I think for too long um, as Africans and South Africans, we have such a low opinion of ourselves, you know, and, and and it's almost like, like uh, we put ourselves down before the rest of the world puts us down and we need to change that thinking, you know, I uh, went to Cannes, in, um, which, is, which is one of the big reasons that made me go, I'm doing this full-time. In 2014, before I quit my job, I went to Cannes. And, um, you know, you, you, you walk around there and you, you try to meet with people. It's like a yeah, market yeah. and a networking kind of thing, right? And on that trip, it was me, Darren was with me, and, um, and one of our other partners, Travis, right? And, we, and the one thing that I realized there right, is that we as South Africans, okay, we are as talented as the rest of the world, if not more talented. And and I think that's now the film industry, but I think that is something that runs
0: true for everything. And and I mean, if if I may, you know, you, you mentioned um, how important it was to tell this different story of Africa, of South Africa and, and yeah. To allow South Africans to feel like like we can actually compete at that level, and and to be yeah. honest, for me as someone watching Blood and Water, um, I I definitely got that sense. Like when when you scroll through Netflix and then you see the show come up and then you start watching it, it it, it doesn't feel. I mean, because I live in Cape Town, like I recognize a lot of the places that you know yeah. the locations and stuff. Um, but but it, it feels like something that could have been produced in hollywood or any other country and and i think yeah. that's great and and one of the for me at least one of the interesting things was that there was there was a, a particular character um he, he was a he was a person of color. I, I forget the name now um of of the actor or, or the character but he i think he, he used a few words at some point that are like inverted commas i'm doing air quotes now um like colored people words or words that, that you're talking, you talking
1: about is? wade wade exactly the principal son (laughs)
0: exactly correct and 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 i i remember i was um i was eating at the time and then he uses this this word and then i almost like choked because i was like (laughs) i've never heard someone use that word like on tv before um yeah Yeah. but 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 the show's like i think done so much also for the space because Mm. you've had um i think you've even add like some Hollywood actors saying that they loved it and like, you know, I um, did yeah, something about uh, like Gabriel union or Gabriel or something. union.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She said, she said, Oh, she can't wait for season two. <laughs> yeah.
0: And and that's amazing. And, and we were just chatting yeah. now that, that you've just finished. Um, you've wrapped filming on, on season two. So yeah. I, I really can't wait for that, yeah. but yeah. it's like looking forward to the future to, to grow this space and to get people to like, start doing more of this, um, what do you think we, we need to do uh, as, yeah. as South Africans? I mean, people people that are in the space, like, like what do yeah. we need to be doing more of or, or differently um, to, to take yeah. this further from here?
1: Look, the thing is, I think that um, what, you, what we are finding is that um, more, and, more and more people are, are looking into the film and television industry as a viable career. You know, whereas before it wasn't, I remember when, when my brother, um, you know, went into the industry, my mother was like, what is this child doing? You know, And she would have <laughs> secret conversations with me and say like, like, where, you know, how's he going to get a job and, and what's he going to, how's he going to, and, um, and so, so at that time, you know, and when I'm talking like less than 10, like I'm talking, like, yeah, so about more than like 10 years ago, 10, more, 10 15 years ago. These days I find it like my daughter is at AFTA at the moment. She started this year. She's pursuing a career in writing and directing um, following, following in her uncle's footsteps, you know, um, and it's become a viable career. So my feeling is that, you know, um, if people want to go into it, if you have a passion for storytelling, you know, go into it, you know, but, but then commit to it, you know, go and get an education because it's not, um, it's not something that just anyone can do. You know, you can't just you don't just sit down and 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 write. You know, storytelling is actually a very technical art. Yeah. You know, there's a way that you do it, and there, you know, there's a reason why. Why certain movies are great, you know, it's because the, there's a technicality behind telling a story mm-hmm. that 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 makes it engaging for an audience member to watch. And so, you know, I would encourage people to get an education in the field, you know, and 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 then from that education, um, you know, then then pursue whatever it is. It's like um, if it's writing, if it's directing, if it's producing, you know. Um, the world that we live in right now, there's such a demand for content, all kinds of content, you know, even this, yeah. what you're doing right now. So, so there's so much demand for content, you know, TV, film, um, online content, you know, that, that, and that is just growing and growing. As you will see, there are more and more streamers coming on board. Yeah. It's Netflix, it's Amazon, it's Facebook, it's Apple. Um, this, this is only the tip of the iceberg. If you go to the U S there are so many more streamers. So, So I feel like like there is really, if if you have a passion for Mm -hmm. storytelling, there is a viable career in it. It does take more. So in other words, when you've got an education, it's not one of those vocations where you're just going to walk into, like if you study, if you're a CA, if you're a chartered accountant, you technically walk into one of the financial institutions. If you are... Uh, a lawyer you could walk you know if you've got that qualification yeah. you could yeah. probably walk into a law firm it's not as easy as that so therefore there has to be a passion for it mm-hmm. you know there has to be a passion for it because uh, most of the times until you make it most of the times it's going to be difficult and so the passion has to carry you through it prepare yourself for for hard work right. for a long period of time mm-hmm. i mean i look at my my brother when he was uh, when he did his first when he did his first film which was no fo that was like 2016 um, he was um, he was 35 years old right He directed his first film but that was a choice you know he made the choice right to yeah. pursue telling his own stories and directing versus earning because he could have early in his career earned a nice salary yeah you know and that's where I say where the passion comes in you know but being a director and so he worked hard he sacrificed we as a company worked together to position it but it still took long you know and so this is one of those industries where things take long and so therefore you have to have the passion you know Um, but you can't only do it with passion you've got to marry that passion with education you know because of the technicality of how things are done and then um yeah it's it's perseverance you know it's it's yeah. that's that's what this industry you know is all about and yes it will become easier as the demand grows you know there'll be more and more opportunities things will become easier things will become like in south africa more organized because there'll be more production companies doing more things and and so um the potential is definitely there but I would say marry your passion with education and be, pa- and be prepared to be patient.
0: And that's it wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to right now. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please do share with others and leave a rating and review. This has been the Breaking Out Podcast and I've been your host, Jared Luzon. Until next time.